The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, and we're going to put an emphasis on the word game in Game Changers today, just stick around and find out why, you're in the right place. The buzz today is game on. Who doesn't want to hear that? So let's get started. Gamification is a trendy buzzword in businesses today because it has significant benefits. It's not just for fun. It has business value. But how does it work? By putting the customer the prospect, and sometimes and very often mainly your employee at the center of a well-designed game-based experience. You can improve and capture data on what motivates them, how productive they are, and how engaged they are. Who doesn't want to know that? If your company isn't on board yet, you don't get it. You're scratching your head. You're saying, what is this? Gaming at work, OMG. Hey, it's time to learn about the new science of relationship building through big data and gamification and the guru's secrets to how you can design gamification that really, really works. What a panel I have for you today. So join us for the next hour for Game On with Gamification. Welcome. This is, let's see, season to episode six of our series called Future of Business with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP Services. And a shout out to Dave Fowler at SAP, who sponsors this series and owns the editorial calendar. And a shout out to Katie Mosier as well. Okay, let's get started with our experts. First up is Rajat Paharia. He is the father of gamification. I say that with all certainty. And he is the founder and chief product officer of a company called Bunchball. And Rajat sent me the following quote from, believe it or not, Dave all the way back to J.M. Barry, you know, the author of Peter Pan, back to 1953, and it was also used again at least once in Battlestar Galactic. Here's the quote. All of this has happened before, and it will all happen again. Rajat Paharia, welcome to Future of Business. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for joining me. I have to tell you that uh, one of my favorite phrases in French is plus ça change, plus c'est la même chose, what has happened before. What The more things change, the more they stay the same. So is this exactly what Peter Pan was saying, Rashad? And how does this relate to gamification? Talk to me. Yeah, so I'd actually, I didn't even know it was from Peter Pan. I'd only seen it in Battlestar Galactica, the new version of the series, which if you haven't seen it, you need to go see the entire thing right now because it's one of the best TV shows ever made. And uh, and the kind of premise is that history repeats itself. And the reason I pick that particular quote is because, you know, you're going to hear a lot of different, I think, points of view about gamification today. And if you go do your reading, you'll hear a lot there, too, and see a lot of different people. Here's mine. Gamification is about motivating people through data. 
at its very simplest. It's about capturing the big data that we're all now generating. We've all turned into walking data generators, right? Every single one of us, because more and more of our lives are being mediated by technology, our community life, our social life, our entertainment life, our work life. It's all happening in technology-enabled systems that are throwing off data. And smart companies can take that data and use it to motivate better performance. And they do that by taking that data instead of just routing it up to managers, routing it back down to the people that are actually generating it, showing it to them and in a way that actually motivates them to perform better, giving them goals, letting them see how they're doing against their peers, giving them really fast feedback, all with the goal of driving better performance, better business results, and generating a competitive advantage in your market. Now, this isn't new. That's the whole point of the quote, that like people have been doing this for years. And other names and, and uh, phrases you've heard to describe this, other lenses, reward and recognize, measure and motivate, reputation, loyalty, guiding and amplifying high-value activity. But at the end of the day, all these boil down to this idea of motivating people through data. And what gamification is, is basically the fact that we now have all this data readily available so that we can scale, we can automate, and we can do these things repeatably, whereas in the past it all happened in spreadsheets and on whiteboards and kind of in person in a very manual, unscalable way. But now technology is enabling us to scale this massively so that we can handle our thousands of employees, our hundreds of thousands or millions of customers. And so it's all it, it's not new. It's just mm -hmm. technology is enabling a whole new way of doing it. Thank you. Great introduction to our topic, Rajat, and I have a comment to make. I did the attribution search on your quote, and I found that it was from Peter Pan in 1953. You're too young to even know that existed, I'm sure, so not to worry about it. We can primarily go with Battlestar Galactica. Now, my big question is, when you say we've all turned into walking data generators, do people know that? Does the average person who's holding a smartphone or they have an iPad or they're doing something digital, they're traveling with mobile, they're making an inquiry or they're responding to something or they're doing a search. Rajat, do they know they're a data generator or would this be a shock to, I'll hate to use this phrase, the average person on the street anywhere in the world? What do you think? Sure. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, there's two different ways to look at it, two different lenses again, right? So one is uh, explicit data generation. I Every time I add a Facebook status update, I tweet something, I contribute something to my company's knowledge base. I'm explicitly creating a new piece of knowledge or content and adding it. And so there it's super clear that I'm generating data and I know that I'm doing it. And there's kind of no uh, pretense or, or uh, inscrutability about what's going on. And, but then there's all the implicit data that I'm generating. I mean, if you like plug your phone, like I've been doing some mobile phone development recently. I plug mm -hmm. my phone in, I'm looking at the debug logs, and I'm watching like all the stuff that my phone is doing that I don't even know about, right? Like it's just happening as a byproduct of me walking around with my phone or making calls. All this data is being thrown off. And I don't think people are aware of the volume of that data that is being generated as they're interacting with everything from mm -hmm. Facebook to their phone to their financial systems. Thank you very much. Let's move on to our second panelist. It's Mario Herger. He's a return guest here on SAP Radio. Those of you might not remember Mario, I do. He's the CEO, founder, and partner of Enterprise Gamification Consultancy. And I didn't know this, but now I do. He's the co-author of the book, uh, one of many books, but the book we want to talk about a little bit today is Gamification at Work, Designing Engaging Business Software. And he's the co-author with our next panelist after Mario, Janaki Kumar. So we'll talk 
talk to him about and uh, Janaki about the book later in the show. So here's the quote Mario Herger sent me. Gamification is big data on employees and will transform the way companies select, evaluate, and promote employees. Wow. Mario Herger, welcome back. How are you today? Thank you. I'm very good. Thank you for having me. We're delighted. So talk to me. Do employees know? I'll take the question further. Do employees know all of the data that's being collected every time they engage with gamification? <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, if you, of course, uh, uh, ask a question in Germany, you would get this, get this paranoid glances uh, <laughs> because the Europeans are looking very differently at uh, data privacy and data collection, of course. But uh, but let's maybe get get one step back, and I wanted also to take up uh, pick up where uh, Rajat left off. We we of course create a lot of data explicitly, implicitly with our new technologies, devices, the way we work. Um, but uh, a lot of this information is also not really available for an employee. So when we look at, at games uh, or gamification now, games, in order to level you up, to, to know how well you're doing, to get you to uh, the next level, to reward you with stuff, uh, they need to know how well you were doing and what you have done, actually. Now, in games, this is a very clear path for the players. That's also one of the reasons why they are so popular and why they are so alluring, because people know that they can achieve that. They get immediate feedback. Uh, a game is, is nothing else than actually a lot of information gathering uh, about things that you do, of course, in, in a playful and, and fun way. Now, mm-hmm. if you apply that now to work and, and all the work processes and business software that they're using, uh, we often have their lack of information. How well are we doing? We often hear that information only once a year. Uh, or how often do you get really uh, a thank you from a, from a coworker? The performance mm-hmm. review is basically the only thing once a year where you hear about your performance over the year. Now, by uh, implementing gamification in all these processes at work, you would get this information and this feedback immediately. You would right away know how well you're doing. And that gives you, gives you and your coworkers and your managers a lot of opportunities. First, you know how well you're doing. That means you know uh, you can learn immediately. You know uh, how to become better, how to uh, you know, level up at work, so to speak. You also see how your coworkers are doing. And, and if they're not doing well, you have an opportunity to help them because together we are winning and not just as individuals. And, of course, management has always at the same time information, how well is the company doing right now and can we, do we have to do something? Do we have to move in this direction or that direction? And that would make then a performance review meeting uh, turn into something completely different, not just an evaluation anymore, but really more a coaching session of how people can become better and what is the direction that they should go. So this will change dramatically the way we are looking at our employees and and, and new recruits at work. Thank you, Mario. Great introduction. And I want to ask you a question. When I was listening to you talk about instant feedback and knowing how you stand in relation to other employees and getting stuff for your achievements, and yes, we all live and die by that annual review. Sometimes it's a mid-year review. But yeah, that's pretty much all we know about other than if somebody digitally, virtually pats you on the back and says, great job, kid. Yes, we know those are treasured moments. But my question is, how is gamification different from testing? 
in that regard, what you just mentioned, how do I know if, if uh, my manager asked me to do some online learning? And there's a quiz about, what, Bonnie, what did you learn from this video, this 10-minute video? Is that a test or is that a gamification? I just would like to clear that up. What do you say, Mario? Well, it depends on how you look at it. I mean, is it, is it playful or not? Uh, gamification creates, as I say, a, a, a lower the barrier to enter a playful mode. If you go in a quiz and the quiz is just a regular quiz and you get this, you know, your grades and you see your progress and you're not entering a playful mode, then for you it's not a game, yeah? As a gamification designer, I can lower the barrier. I'll give you an example. Yeah? Some people, so Foursquare in the past was a gamified system, yeah? So some people really went for the points to have the mayorship in this location, this restaurant. Uh, so they entered this playful mode. Others uh, just used it for looking up restaurants, what's in, the, what's in the neighborhood here, and they did never enter a playful mode. So gamification can lower the barrier, but in the end, it's the player, the user is deciding to become, turn into a player or stay a user, so to speak. So when you have a quiz, and the quiz uh, uh, is designed in a way that is more playful, that you have, uh, you know, funny graphics uh, that show you your progress, like like a, like a hiker climbing up the mountain, followed mm-hmm. by a yeti, then it's more likely that you become a player. Thank you, Mario, for clarifying that. And I, I, I find that the most interesting word you said in there among your many words of wisdom was the word playful, the idea of being playful at work. That's so foreign for older workers like me. We weren't supposed to have fun at work. We weren't supposed to play. And now we're supposed to, and it's part of what we do if we're in a company that embraces gamification. Thank you. Let me bring on our third panelist. She is also, as I mentioned, the co-author of one of Mario Herger's books, Gamification at Work. It's Janaki Kumar. She is the head of strategic design services at SAP. And Janaki sent me a quote from Brian Sutton Smith. Here's the quote. This is heavy duty, kids, so listen up. The opposite of play is not work. It's depression. I've heard that before. Those are very telling words. Janaki, welcome. How are you today? Fine, Bonnie. Thank you for having me on. Delighted. Thanks for joining us. So tell me about this quote. Yeah, to me, I have a broader perspective on gamification and um, from, from my experience, it seems that the biggest barrier that most people have to cross is a mindset, um, a mind shift change. And most people are conditioned to think that the opposite of play is work, so they get a little bit um, confused or maybe, you know, um, they, they don't give themselves the permission to play. And we are conditioned to think that way from the, in, the industrial era, when we really are expected to clock into work and clock out to play, and um, managers think that if someone is, not, is at work, they're expected to work, and you know, playing is actually detrimental to work. But interestingly, research does not support this hypothesis. So Brian Sutton-Smith is, um, is a play theorist, and he, has, um, he did research on this and found out that the opposite of play is not work, but depression. So as human beings, we love to work, we love to play, and what gamification allows us to do is to combine the two. And if we think back, before, uh, when we were children, when we were uh, babies, in many cases, we were learning the most when we were at play. So most of the, the, the core skills 
that we have as human beings come to us at moments of play. So to me, I think the, the most exciting thing about gamification is it allows our, us to work, our, change our workplace to be more empathetic to the human being, to embrace our humanity and allow us to be the best versions of who we can be. And that's the most exciting thing to me about gamification. That's very exciting, and thank you for defining uh, or describing Brian Sutton Smith. I had looked him up. As a matter of fact, he spent his entire lifetime attempting to discover the cultural significance of play in human life, and his argument was that any useful definition of play should apply to adults and children. And, and Janaki and panelists, I know we've all heard that we load our children up with so many lessons and so many obligations and so, much, so many things to do and activities that we're depriving them of a playful childhood. So, I don't know, maybe gamification and education Education will give some of that play back. We can incorporate that into the conversation later. But I want to play a little bit with my panelists, and I have a question for the three of you. Let's see where you come from. Uh, Rajat Paharia, father of gamification at Bunchball. I'd like to know what's in your cup. What are you drinking right now, or what do you wish you were drinking? And what kind of a drink fuels your energy at Bunchball? Talk to me, Rajat. Well, as a startup entrepreneur, entrepreneur for many years, I was fueled by caffeine and chocolate and uh, and other uh, things. And I decided at some point, probably about a year ago, that I was going to try and just cold turkey, cut caffeine, cut kind of all the artificial sweeteners. And so, but I still love soda. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I love soda. Mm. And so, uh, I found a drink called Zevia. It's a stevia flavored soda, and there's a cream soda flavor that I'm just addicted to, and it has no. No NutraSweet, no um, Splenda, none of that stuff. It's just all natural sweeteners and erythritol and some other stuff, and it's really good. Some people think it tastes like carbonated butter, but uh, I love it. And I, I remember very clearly the first day after trying to break my caffeine habit, it was the end of the quarter in the office, and we ring the bell every time we close a deal, and the last day of the quarter is usually a big day for the quarter. And I, I fell asleep at my desk, like literally fell asleep at my desk, the bell's ringing like every 15 minutes or half an hour. I kind of wake up, look around, clap, and then go back to sleep. I was just so gone. But, uh, but you know, after a couple of weeks, kind of kicked the habit, and now uh, I'm firmly addicted to cream soda-flavored Zevia. Oh, that is a riot. I have to look that up. We had a guest on one of yesterday's shows, Rajat. I, I do two shows on Wednesdays, Coffee Break with Game Changers, our, our longstanding flagship show, and we did the Customer Edge with Game Changers. I don't remember which one, but on one of the shows, oh, it was on Customer Edge. The, the gentleman was a baby boomer like me, and he said he was drinking Moxie, M-O-X-I-E, and that's a soda that predates Coca-Cola, and it was originally introduced to the market, in, and it is carbonated. He introduced it in the market, too. It was a in 1876. So we had another reference to soda. Very, very interesting. Thank you. Well, I'm glad you're uh, sleeping through the bell, as they say. Mario Herger, uh, what are you drinking? Where are you calling from, Mario? Because, uh, yeah, where are you calling from and what are you drinking today? Mm-hmm. I'm calling from the Bay Area in, in California. And I want, because it's Thursday, I wanted to do a, a throwback Thursday. So I would be the drink when I was a child uh, with my brother was always hot chocolate. So this was our breakfast drink that we had. And I remember one, one moment when my brother just leaned over his cup, wanted to take a sip, but had to sneeze in that very moment. And he sneezed into the cup of uh, hot chocolate, and this chocolate just splashed it all in his face. So his whole face was covered in chocolate. I, I couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. 
my mother was upset because she had thought he had done it on purpose. Uh, and he was upset <laughs> because she thought that. And I, had uh, I, I think I don't have to mention that neither of us was able to finish the hot chocolate back then. <laughs> Interesting. I used to have a, a very close friend whose mother liked to put the hot chocolate in the blender and make it foamy and whipped. And I, in my adult years, I've tried to do that, and it's just scary because you have this hot liquid squirting all over the blender, and I'm just always afraid it's going to explode. So that's not, not in my life, but very interesting story. Thank you. Janaki Kumar, are you back with us? I know you Oh, you good. You were calling back on a better line. Janaki, yes. what are you drinking today, or what do you wish you were drinking after the show? Oh, so I have already had my cup of cappuccino. I have a have a machine here that um, that that makes it every morning. Um, but uh, right in front of me is a green smoothie. So I made it this morning with some kale, carrots, blueberries, bananas, and some other ingredients. <laughs> so that's what I'm drinking right now as we speak. Oh, wonderful. That sounds refreshing and so healthy, so really healthy. I, I would say I'm proud of you, and I just did. Do you? What kind of a, a juicer or a blender or a ninja, what do you use for that? A bullet? I just use a regular a juicer, a regular blender. I don't have one of those fancy blenders, but I feel it works just the same. Um, so, yeah, it's the ingredients that count. All kinds of all kinds of devices are the the roads that lead to Rome to get that good healthy drink. I'm glad. And let's see, we have a note here from David Fowler who sponsors this show, and he said he's drinking Twinings. And I never know whether to call it Twinings or Twinnings because it has two ends in the middle there. I'll say Twinings peppermint tea because that's the way I'm supposed to say it. And uh, as far as I go. They don't let me have caffeine on radio show days. I wonder why. So it's just a plain cup of New York tap water with a going through a Brita filter, and that's about as good as it gets for me. I'm delighted to be speaking with my very smart and interesting panel. Our topic today is Game On with Gamification, and that's exactly what we're going to do for the rest of the show. Our panel is comprised of Rajat Paharia at Bunchball, Mario Herger at Enterprise Gamification Consultancy, and Janaki Kumar at SAP. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham and plan to be after the break. We're going to take a 90-second break, and when we come back, we're going to ask Rajat to introduce us into our roundtable. We're going to go about 25 minutes nonstop, so panelists, put your seatbelts on. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, whatever game you're playing. Brad out. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as business simplification, insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, business networks and supply chains, and the ever-present need for speed are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. The Future of Business with Game Changers is presented by SAP Services. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You're listening to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to The Future of Business with Game Changers. Are. Welcome back, and we're talking about game on gamification. We're about to start uh, our game, our middle of the show game called the Round Table. We're going to kick it off with Rajat Baharia, and Rajat sent me the following very provocative statement in his notes before the show. So this is where we will begin. He says, "Tracing its roots, gamification is derived from the world of video games, with one important caveat." It is not a game. Gamification takes the data-driven, motivational techniques that video game designers have used for years to motivate players and uses them in non-game context. That sounds a little inside out. Rajat, why don't you help us uh, define that and pull it apart? What do you say? Yeah, absolutely. So the thing, and I think I have kind of a disagreement uh, with with Janaki and, and Mario about this. Uh, I don't think it's about fun. I don't think it's about playfulness. And it's definitely not about games at all, right? This is all about data-driven motivation. So when you think about a game, if you're creating a game, you're starting with a blank sheet of paper, and your whole purpose is to create something whose sole reason for existence is to entertain. And that's it. And that's hard, as a thousand failed game studios will tell you. And then making one that's trying to, like, teach you something or motivate you to do something that you don't want to do or incent you to do something else, that's like, you know, an advert game or an educational game, that's even harder, which is why most kind of serious games, that whole industry, they just stink. They're, they're not any good and they're not engaging because it's like you're trying to pour chocolate all over broccoli. So it's not about <laughs> games at all. And it's not about fun. It's not about playfulness. Because those things are impossible to define and impossible to, to repeatably and scalably do over and over again. What gamification is, it's saying, you know what, and the whole reason it's got the word game in it is because it came from the world of video games. If you think mm-hmm. about it, from the days of Pong in 1970 to World of Warcraft today, video game designers have always lived in a world rich and abundant in user activity data. You've been living in their world. They know every time you move, you jump, you shoot, you die, you kill. They know everything. And they've honed and refined the techniques for taking that data and using it to motivate better performance by giving people goals, by letting them see how they're doing against their peers, etc. And so now fast forward to all of us in the world we're living in today, this hybrid real digital world where we're all throwing off data, and you're a business owner trying to figure out how do I take that data and how do I use it to motivate better performance? Where are you going to look? You're going to look to the world of video games where they've had 40 years of experience. They've effectively been living in the future, and you're going to take the best data-driven motivational techniques that they've honed and refined over those last 40 years, and you're going to apply them to your business. But it's not about fun. I mean, fun is completely a state of mind. It has nothing to do with the task that you're doing. I think the Tom Sawyer story is like the perfect apocryphal example of that, him painting the fence, and for him it was work. But to all his friends, he convinced them it was play. And uh, all, that, all that changed was a bit in their heads that flipped. And so I don't think kind of any discussion of fun or playfulness or games actually has any place in this. It is about motivating better business performance by utilizing the data that everybody is now generating. 
Wow, wow, very interesting. We love a good provocative statement from our panelists, and now now the game is on, and I hope you know I mean that in the most ser- serious way possible, Rajat Paharia. So let's bring Mario Herger into this discussion. Mm-hmm. Mario, we have trashed the word playfulness. We have done away with fun. This is serious business. Agree, disagree, why don't you enter the fray here? What do you think? Yeah, well, I, I like I like uh, Rajat's provocative statement, of course, and of course I have an opinion. I have always opinions, even if I don't know anything. But in this case, <laughs> you know, I, have, I, have, I have a background of six years of BI, yeah, and uh, so I was six years in BI. And BI is uh, basically analytics, business intelligence, is really a lot of data that you have. So according to that, we could already call BI uh, uh, gamification because it has all this data and this information. But uh, uh, if you were just looking at gamification as a part of, uh, you know, nothing else than big data and analytics, I think that would be wrong to call it like that because there's no, no really, <laughs> not really giving you that. Why don't we call it then BI? So, so I think uh, uh, that playfulness, yeah, uh, and then fun, and we would have to defi- define what fun actually means. Yeah, we would have to uh, look at what playfulness is. We look at we look at uh, uh, with gamification is something that turns you a little bit around. We are not looking at the system or process in the way of how can we make it easier for a player, for a user. Yeah, but we look at it as a player what motivates and interests the player. So, so it turns into something completely different. We use the mindset that the game designer uses, uh, what is fun for a player, and, and apply it to the, the work world. We look at what is fun for the employee, uh, sorry, what is more, what motivates and interests an employee. And this brings them into this player side. Uh, yeah. Uh, of course, we, we know they should be motivated theoretically by earning money. No, that's not true. Uh, and that's, that's why we look then at Things that we see in video games, how they apply it, and fun. Now, fun, of course, is something difficult. What is fun? So, some somebody fun is seeing somebody falling down. So, some mm-hmm. fun is to to see a good wordplay. Yeah, but uh, when we look at and learn the techniques from uh, the game design world, such as John Radoff in his book Game On, aptly titled like the show today. Uh, he comes up with fun motivators, yeah, and and he brings fun motivators in that are in the realm of role playing. Like I'm being a hero with the information that I have, I can help others and be a hero in their view. Or I collect stuff. I know I'm a collector. I'm collect. Yeah, I collected as a child video games, or I collect Wikipedia articles and and do uh, create them, and I create all out of chaos. These are all motivators that I have here. So as a game design, as a gamification designer, I'm not just looking purely at the data and seeing it just as a BI reduce, a, a, a thing reduced to business intelligence and analytics. I look at it primarily from user, and I call them on-purpose players because mm-hmm. I want to know about their motivations and interests and try to package that stuff together with the things from game design and the data and the processes from from work into something that is more than just data. 
Thank you, Mario. I looked up both words, fun and playful, just for a formal definition while you were speaking. I'm just going to interject this before we ask Janaki to chime in here. Fun is enjoyment, amusement, or lighthearted pleasure. So it sounds to me like the gamification, it means putting the player into that mindset, but certainly doesn't mean to to denigrate the purpose of the game. And then playful is fond of games and amusement, lighthearted, jolly, lively, sportive, perky, exuberant, my goodness, giving or expressing pleasure and amusement. So, Janaki, why don't you enter this provocative discussion, and where, which side of the fence are you on? What do you say? Yeah, so, uh, so Bonnie, I, I agree with some parts of what my guest said, but I would, I would put it this way. So gamification is certainly not the same as game design, right? It is about analyzing what we really love about games. What do we love about games? We like the challenge. We like the competition. We like collaborating with the people that we play with. We like the feedback that we get when we play. And typically in our day-to-day work, we don't get that. We don't get that sense of collaboration, the connection, the challenge, as, as we, and even nearly even feedback um, as we do our work. So what gamification is, is trying to do is to bring these elements that we love about games into a non-game context to solve a problem. The purpose is, of course, to solve a problem. It is not just to, you know, while away your time doing, um, doing any kind of, uh, uh, of games, but it is, it is about using the elements that we love about games to motivate people to do, the, to do their jobs well. And um, I think the, uh, the example with um, uh, the Tom Sawyer is how it is a mindset. Gamification is definitely a mindset. Of course, the, the fence did get painted. <laughs> but in the end, um, people did feel a sense of community, a sense of connection, a sense of challenge, and they got feedback. And that's what gamification um, wants to do with our everyday work. I Thank think, uh, you. This is, this is yep. Rajat. I was just going to interject. Yes. I think, I mean, again, you're, you're kind of focusing on the, the tactics as opposed So let me give you an example. Okay, so somebody is playing tennis, and they're playing tennis because their parents are forcing them to. So they're not having any, quote-unquote, fun doing it. And you don't look at that and you say, you don't look at that and say, how do I introduce more challenge to tennis? How do I make tennis more collaborative? How do I make tennis more fun? Because clearly tennis is broken. It has nothing to do with tennis. Because I could be out there playing tennis because I want to be playing tennis, and all of a sudden it's fun, right? The only thing that changes is whether I have to do it or whether I want to do it. And so gamification, at the end of the day, is about using data to turn people from I have to into I want to. That's it. It has nothing to do with all those other game elements. Those are just things or tools you use to do it. But that's not the end goal, and that's not the reason you do these things. Roger, wow. Roger, let, me, let me interfere here, yeah? You're coming here from a game. Tennis, tennis is a game. We are coming from work, which is not a game. Yeah. So you are you're coming actually where you expect the people are like really already should be up on a certain level of their passion and interest with that game. Yeah. So you make it worse the game by gamifying it. Yeah. But we are coming from the very bottom with work that people are not up on that level. They are often not engaged there, and we are trying to uh, bring them up closer to that. 
So, so, so that's, that's, I think that's a perspective problem. Uh, you, you, from the game angle, which, which, which is where all the game designers are coming from and saying gamification is bad because you don't understand really games, what it is to make it worse because you expect to have the same experience like in a game. That's not true. We are coming from the very bottom with the engagement of something that people don't like. Uh, and that they don't have this full information, and there are a lot of other things wrong with that because nobody ever looked at their motivations and interests. Uh, and now we are trying to look at their motivations and interests. And that's what, yeah. we, that's what we add to that. <laughs> if I'm, if if I'm, I'm managing a spreadsheet um, of crops from Farmville, or if I'm managing mm-hmm. a spreadsheet of widgets at work, mm-hmm. I'm doing the same thing. I'm plugging numbers into a spreadsheet and manipulating them. But one of them is work and one of them is play. Right? And I don't have to change the way the spreadsheet works or the numbers or make them you know, explode or anything. All I have to do is change people's perception of the task and of what they're doing. That's the mm-hmm. point I'm making. And that has nothing to do with fun and it has nothing to do with play and it has nothing to do with games. It's all about just changing people's perception of the work that they're doing. Let's let Janaki have a word in here. I want to get Janaki in. I hear her in the background. Go ahead, Janaki. We'll have time for everyone. Go ahead, Janaki. Thank you, Lonnie. So, um, mm-hmm. But I think, I think that you were making the analogy of comparing farm world to uh, spreadsheets. I think the, the main thing that we have to understand is that in farm world, people get feedback on how they're doing. And that gives I, was, I wasn't saying playing farm bill. I was saying you're managing your spreadsheet of your crops. Let's say EVE Online or World of Warcraft. I am managing my inventory in a spreadsheet, not in the game, outside of the game, right? But it's something I'm doing because I want to be doing it. So I'm not saying comparing Farmville to a spreadsheet. I'm comparing using a spreadsheet to do something I want to versus using a spreadsheet to do something to do, to do work. Right. And I don't so have to change I, the spreadsheet, right? The ultimate goal is to get people to be motivated, to want to, right? So the question mm-hmm. is, how can we how can we motivate people? And the the way we typically build systems is to create punitive systems where we focus on the the negative outcomes and and create creative systems to prevent that. What games inspires us to do is to think about the, the right behavior and how can we give positive reinforcement to the right behavior. So this is the beauty that we are, it's not, you know, it's a mis- misunderstanding to think that we are trying to change everything into a game. What we're trying to do is to get inspiration about how we, we can take those elements that people love about games and introduce them to a non-game context. And in, there are many instances. If you take a, um, to take a fitness example, most of the time, you know, we, we all know that exercise is super good for us. But do we actually do it every day? Sometimes we don't because we, um, you know, other things get in the way. Sometimes we get guilty. We use negative motivation. Now the fitness trackers that we have, like the, uh, the Fitbit or the Apple Watch, set, allow us to set positive goals. The positive goals are... 10,000 steps a day, and that's a positive goal. And now this activity becomes somewhat game-like because we're getting feedback on how we're doing. It may, we may be connected to a community of other people, and then it becomes collaborative. We, have, we create a challenge for ourselves. We compete and uh, connect with our friends. So what an activity that used to be, you know, really um, uh, uh, perhaps boring, guilt-ridden, yes, my doctor wants me to exercise, Two, wow, I want to meet my friend, um, you know, I, I want to meet my friend in, uh, and make sure that mm-hmm. I, I reach a higher signal goal. So see how you're shifting this mindset from I have to do it to I want to do it by taking inspiration from the power of games. 
that's what I need. Now, thank you, Janaki. I'm going to jump in. This is Bonnie because we only have, oh, about uh, 20 minutes left to the show, and I want to take this in a slightly different direction, but I think we might solve the question on the table here. Mario Herger, I'm looking at your discussion notes you sent me before the show. I'm going to read a couple of lines from this. I want you to dive in, and then Janaki and, and Rajat as well. So here's here's what Mario says. Gamification is first and foremost not about doing what serves managers and companies. It is about what interests the employees. And then he adds, companies today spend billions of dollars on HR, but they do a terrible job. Games have more data on strengths and weaknesses of players than billion-dollar companies have on their employees. That's provocative, too. Mario, why don't you go in this direction, and then we'll continue the conversation. Please start. Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. I mean, we come back to this this topic of, of data, of course. Uh, but well, first, first, the first sentence that I, that I had in there, um, and I mentioned that already uh, before. When we look at uh, from a historical perspective, you know, we look from industrial revolution or maybe even before the industrial revolution. If you build a product, you know, like a shoe. You had this interaction with the customer. You measured the food of the customer. You bought the materials. You you worked on every detail, and then you handed over the shoe to the hopefully satisfied customers and happy customer. That means you had I had an overview of the whole process. You knew the meaning, uh, what you were doing. You you saw the feedback from the customer, and you had this pleasure of really having something in your hands that you could be proud of afterwards. The industrial revolution. Uh, Changed that. It started by a division of labor. You did only one process step, or even smaller increments in this in the pro in the product manufacturing, which meant that you lost this kind of larger view on that. You became a little cockwheel in this huge machinery. Uh, and I just think of Charlie Chaplin in Modern Times standing there at the assembly line, and then just you know, screwing and not even doing anymore what he's, knowing anymore what he's doing. Uh, this, this went, of course, this helped uh, us or society, humanity, to come up to, to new levels of wealth and live longer and all these things. But we also noticed that we come to a plateau, we're plateauing off. There's not much more we do. People become uh, not, as ha are not as happy as they, they could be, given the wealth, given the... the uh, societies of how much we advance and, and and that brings us to this place then where we come into computers and, and processes and talk about the users and how we can make it easier for a user to to, to do something or air less uh, and and here we look always how can we make it easier that's it uh, but we never ask the question why should we make it easier why is the user actually motivated to do that stuff just to, to earn money they don't see the whole picture and this is, this is where gamification comes in. And once we look at the perspective of is the user motivated interest that can we make it in a way that, that they feel satisfaction here, that they, they have feel autonomy, that they self-determination, all these, these words, uh, then we see results that suddenly uh, see these this players go the extra mile, do more uh, than they would have done before. And by doing this, by looking at such a position at the employee uh, and by applying gamification uh, and, and using these game techniques, uh, we get this information on these users in addition uh, that, that help us to you know, better evaluate it, better promote and better help employees to become, to fulfill their intrinsic needs. Thank you. 
Janaki, I want you to chime in here, and I'm going to read one of your statements because it tags along, I believe, very well with what Mario said. So we're going to combine the threads here. You say designing successful gamification systems requires a deep empathy and respect for the player, clear understanding of the mission, and the insight to motivate the player to achieve the mission. So, Janaki, why don't you comment on what Mario said and also on the statement from you that I just read, please. Exactly. Yeah, I think this is, um, um, I agree with the statements that Mario said, that we we need to create, uh, in, creating the, the successful gamification systems is not easy, right? And the starting point is to understand and empathize with the, the player. And that, that's a very crucial step because the, a system that is meant to motivate an 18-year-old to learn algebra is not the same that will motivate a 40-year-old who's doing uh, who's reconciling uh, books in an accounting uh, department. So, you know, we really have to take the person that we're designing for into account um, and, and uh, approach them with deep respect and empathy. And the next step is to have a clear understanding of the mission. So in some cases, people who become over-enthusiastic about uh, gamification may just say, oh, okay, I have a system that's really not working. People don't like it. Why don't you gamify it and make it better? Well, that's not a great place to start. The, the, the first question, uh, you know, first after understanding who the, the, the target audience is, the next question to ask is who is, what is the mission? What, what if everything were to go right, uh, what would be the, the mission of this particular system? And having a clear understanding of the mission um, gives us insight into how can we motivate this player uh, to achieve this mission. So, you know, these are the steps, I would say, to, to systematically think about how to create a gamification system. And then the last step, of course, is to apply the game mechanics, which are the, the, the tactical elements that we have to put together to create and implement the system. Thank you. Rajat, I know you have a lot to say. Why don't you join us? What do you think? <laughs> I think actually, you know, a really great example of this kind of stuff in action is uh, a program that we recently did with Applebee's with RMH Franchise, the second biggest Applebee's franchisee in the United States. And it's actually just won an award, this program. And here's the idea that, like, you have all these uh, employees at Applebee's, all these wait staff, you've got incredibly high churn, like 130% churn for a 60-person restaurant, and you have to hire 80 people a year. You've got low engagement. You've got a very kind of uh, uh, 75% millennial uh, staff. And you're trying to figure out, as a business owner, how do I reduce churn? How do I turn my employees from just simple order takers into sellers? How do I get them more engaged with their jobs? How do I build a direct line of communication to them so I can motivate them to perform better? And so they implemented a gamification program inside Applebee's that took point-of-sale data. So they already had all this data. This is the part I love about this. I mean, they've had this point-of-sale data forever uh, about every time every employee you know, sells a brownie bite or a, a margarita or a drink or whatever. And all that data was only flowing up, up to the, you know, the branch manager or the region, the corporate. And what they did now was just took that same exact data coming out of the point-of-sale system and just rerouted it back down the loop back to the employees so they could see. And they were given goals to say, can you sell 10 brownie bites this shift? Can you do you know, 1,000 orders on the point-of-sale? They were shown leaderboards to see how they compared against their peers both in the store and across stores. They could see live news feeds of all the recent activity. They could get credit for their training activities. And all these things put together, and then they had a, a mobile phone application that they could access and see 
their live statistics up to date. They would get text messages or notifications every time they completed a goal or a mission. And then they had big screens in the back uh, in the kitchen where they could walk by and could constantly see their statistics and how they were doing against their peers. And by doing all this, like all of a sudden now, all this data that was always there, it's now being routed back to the employees in a way that's actually meaningful and they were able to increase engagement, reduce, reduce churn, increase average order size, kind of all the key metrics moved up. And now, you know, tying back to the earlier discussion, would I call this fun? Would I call it playful? Would I call it a game? No, I wouldn't call it any of those things. But it worked, and it worked to change people's perception of, do I have to do these things versus I want to do these things? Rajat, you said you don't see playful and fun, but from the point of view of those millennial servers who they want to serve, turn into, transform into willing and eager and brand on sellers. Don't they see it as fun and playful? Isn't it in the eye of the beholder of the gamification? Going back to to, uh, Janaki's comment about empathy for the player, what do you think? Yeah, I think think the the proper word is engagement and engage. Mm -hmm. Like, that is the right thing. I don't think... You know, me having, I think there are a number of things in the world that aren't fun or playful, but where I am engaged. (laughs) And I think that is the right lens to look at this. This, They're all now very engaged with their jobs. They want to do these things, they want to perform better. And it's using all these gamification mechanics that has transformed them from kind of the, the have to into the I want to. And that's what's provided the business outcomes at the end of the day. Right. But if you look at it from, I'm just going to sit on the fence here. I hope that's the way it comes across. If you think of it from the gamification designer, the business standpoint, that side of the fence, it is engagement, it is business, it is data collection, it is great. If you look at it from the player side, it's, gee, this is cool. I want to play. So maybe we can have both words in the same sentence if we look at it from the lenses that are looking at each other. Could we agree on that, Rajat, or am am I not getting here? (laughs) <laughs> no, no. Look, look, I absolutely, I, I have no control over what the end user, uh, how they experience things. Yes, some people find it fun, some people find it engaging. But the, the, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, you don't try to design it to be fun. You try to design right. it to be engaging and motivating. And then the participants may find it fun. They might find it playful. They may find it engaging. They might find it frustrating. Whatever. Right. But that's not the design goal. Fun is a really bad design goal. Engaging and motivating is a much better design goal. Okay, since game is on and we have nine minutes left, actually eight minutes left to the end of the show, I'm going to run down the line here. And Mario, do you agree or disagree with that last statement from Rajat? Agree or disagree, then Janaki, and then we're going to dial back all the way to Rajat, and we're going to start our predictions crystal ball round. And Rajat, you can have as much fun as you want with that, predicting what this conversation would be in the year 2020 or any year you can see clearly in the crystal ball. So Mario, agree or disagree with this last statement from Rajat? I I don't think that we are that far away. what, what Rajat is saying, uh, I mean, what, she, what, what he brings with this Applebee example, or Rajat, what you bring with this uh, Applebee example is you bring in leaderboards so that suddenly these people could compare themselves to their past performance or to their uh, peers here, uh, which is something that you have in games. Uh, what, what I call it, what, what I call it is here, so you put in challenges, yeah, this is a game design element that you have. Uh, the way that I call it, I would uh, fun. If fun is this problem word, yeah, uh, I, I prefer actually to call it uh, as in a definition, an empathy-based process that creates 
uh, gives affordances for gameful experiences. So with, other, with other words, it allows, it allows the person to enter a playful mode or a gameful state here, to experience it, it as a game. And that's up to the user. I can, as a gamification designer, only increase this, uh, decrease these barriers. It's becoming easier for them to enter such a mode. And by adding a challenge, by adding these leaderboards, yes. uh, comparing themselves to others and to the past performance, I lower this barrier and make it easier for them to enter that. Thank you. Jonike, quickly, agree or disagree? Yeah. I'll give you one sentence on that, and then we have to do predictions because we only have six minutes left. Go ahead, Jonike. So, uh, um, I have a slightly different perspective, and I, I think that um, while I love the proactive statements you know, about the, with the Applebee example, I think there is, an a, there is a danger in designing a gamification system that does not have a deep empathy for the end user because it could have a game fatigue in the end. And leaderboards in general um, can, uh, can also have the opposite effect of disengagement if it's not designed with that deep empathy that is so crucial to, um, uh, to successful gamification design. In addition, there are, yep. I also find that um, there are many companies who are striving for innovation, and uh, we run a lot of innovation games where when we inspire people to uh, to really think out of the box, reinvent their business, and then give, people give themselves permission to play, and that's when we come up with the most innovative ideas. Thank you very much. We're down to five minutes till the end of the show. I'm going to give you each 90 seconds. Please keep it very, very tight. Rajat Paharia at Bunchball. Predictions, if we fast forward to 2020 or any time you see in the future, what will gamification be about or like or how effective will it be? 90 seconds, go. Yep. Gamification as a field will cease to exist, and everything that is part of gamification today will just be part of good design. Right? If you're a business owner in the next couple of years and you're not utilizing the data that your customers, your partners, and your employees are generating as they're interacting with your systems to motivate them, to engage them, to create a more compelling experience, and then to drive business outcomes, you're going to get left behind. So for me, this, solely, this completely fits under the field of good design, and that's exactly where it's going to go. And the field as a kind of distinct entity will disappear. Wow, that's provocative. You like, yeah, very, very interesting. Thank you very much. Wish we had more time to talk about that. Mario Herger, I can give you 90 seconds. Take it. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Predictions, please. So in 2021, we won't call it gamification probably anymore. That's that's basically all these laggards will will use it then. Uh, Finally, everyone will have it. Uh, We will... Uh, have probably a good name for that, but the principles I think will be staying here. Uh, they have been here in the past. Uh, the, how we call it, I have no idea, uh, but uh, the design principles will be here uh, with some expansions on that, and what it is, I have no idea. Okay, thank you very much. What's your next book going to be about? Can you predict that? Yeah, gamification in training and education. Thank you very much. Okay, and let's turn to our third panelist, Janaki Kumar. Janaki, well, we can give you about 90 seconds, but it's got to be a quick 90 seconds, so go ahead. So, Bonnie, it's great to end on a note where we all agree. Um, I think as a, um, as a designer, um, we are trained to measure the success of our products by efficiency, effectiveness, and satisfaction. And in the future, I do predict to be a successful designer, we also have to take into account engagement. So we have to ask ourselves, can people use the product, but we also have to ask ourselves, 
do people want to use the product? And that's where the principles of, of gameful thinking, game design, and inspiration from games can really come in handy. Thank you so much. And I'm just going to toss one little example of gamification that I actually enjoy is when I go to get a short link for these radio shows, I go to ow.ly, I call it Owly, of course, and I put in the long link and it says, prove you're a human and a little smiley face comes up and it says, start the game and it says game. And I have to either put the mustache, eyes and nose on this little character or park the little car or put the vegetables into the smoothie, Jonaki. I have to do something like that. And then it says, says yes and it gives me the short link I wanted and it makes it fun and it was shocking to me that I could play the game just to get a business short link so there you go guess what I want to say a special and you got your job done that's it. I want to say a special thank you to Rajat Paharia at Bunchball, Mario Herger at Enterprise Gamification Consultancy, Janaki Kumar at SAP. Shout out to Dave Fowler at SAP, Katie Mosier at SAP, and we have got Mark Lambez. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Thank you for the great tweets, Mark. Glad to have you on board. And we've got Bunchball tweeting there. Tootsies off, Rajat. Good, good game. Thank you for bringing them to the table. And let's see, this ends our broadcast week. I'll be back next week is U.S. Thanksgiving. So, It's a special week. I'll be back with a live edition of HR Trends with Game Changers, Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern. And then Coffee Break on Wednesday with Game Changers will be a rerun. And the Internet of Things will be a replay. And Innovating Innovation on Thursday will be a replay. So we'll pull up some of our best of favorite shows for next week. And that's the story. I'll be back with a full schedule starting on December 1st. Wishing all of you in the U.S. a thankful, joyous, and very delicious and pleasant and playful Thanksgiving. No family squabbles, only the turkey's going to go gobble, gobble. Okay, I'm ready to go. Thank you to everyone who helped put the show together. It's been great. What a provocative conversation. One of our most interesting ones, I must say, and I think Dave Fowler agrees as well. He's giving me high-five kudos here on the chat screen. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, happy to be here with the Future of Business with Game Changers. Thank you to Brad and the Business Channel team as well at World Talk Radio. Fasten your seatbelt. Here's your call to action. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.